Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Sean T, and we are back in the breakfast nook. Get into it. I'm with the amazing, the amazing, <laughs> I'm just going to say Mickey. I'm just going to say Mickey because that's my girl. That's how I know her. We'll get all deep into her life and her story in a second. But today we are going to enhance your ability and your power to trust and believe that you can get through it, whether it's life, whether it's fitness, whether it's nutrition, or whether it's just the next day. So sit back and get ready to <laughs> trust and believe. Somebody say it again. This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I know that's right. Hey, Vicky, <laughs> I know that's what's right. up? Welcome to the show. Hey, boo cakes. <laughs> First of all, I just want to let everybody know, I walked into the gym almost a year ago. I don't even know how many days it was yeah. that I had been working out in there. And I was like, she's going to be the one. And she was loud. She was straight up. <laughs> she was, a, yeah. she's an empath. She had yes. all the energy. Yes. You know, she was, you know, kind of like the female version of me and Wade. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's why we vibe so well. Cause I saw him walk in and I obviously, I grew up on you. So, so when I saw you walk in, it was like a shooting star coming in. And I said, oh, my God. And then I started, you know, learning your journey and you coming out and being your authentic self. And that actually I was going through my transformation of finally becoming my authentic self. And what you don't know is you motivated me to keep going. I said, this man has finally came out to the world of who he is and he's proud. And then... Why, what's, what's holding me back? Mm. Like, that's some of the, one of the most bravest things you can do, especially the spotlight being on you. I'm popular, but I'm not Sean T popular. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was, it was such a vibe to meet you. And then when I found so how down to earth you was, you ever heard the uh, saying, don't meet your heroes? Yes. And when I saw, I was like, oh. And then all of a sudden, spirits start talking to me. And then here I come over and I start saying <laughs> things to you. And next thing you know... Here we are. So it made sense. It made sense. You attract your tribe. That's very true. I think what's also really dope is I met you when you were about to start preparing for a show. Or yes, I, guess I was were, in prep. At that point, I didn't know what prep was. I didn't know anything. I just mm -hmm. was like, she's fit. She's a trainer. She's fun. She's nice. She's yep. real. Yeah. And then I saw you go through this crazy transformation. Journey. Like, yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh. But more importantly, Seeing you go through a transformation 
And then, you know, we talked about some personal stuff and yeah. like you really went through this full transformation in the time that I've known you to showing up today. But I want to take them back because I can tell them how amazing it was to see mm -hmm. you. You know, we've talked about body dysmorphic disorder. You know, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, but in that episode, Mickey was one of the voices yeah. in there. <laughs> but let's go back to the beginning of okay. your life, your journey, when you were like... Like you know, the beginning, beginning? beginning. Like going... when I was an egg? Like <laughs> No, no, well, not, maybe not the egg. <laughs> but, you know, you shared with me some of your trauma growing up. Because okay. I want people to, to be able to... There's a lot of people out there that's going through shit. And so <sighs> yeah. I think that they always, like people walk into the gym, they see you as a trainer, they see you upbeat. They, they see, see the finished product. Right. I understand and what I you mean. People really hear people a little bit more and digest what they say when they know the journey, when they know the story, when that they know sense. this power came from building something. So let's start off with everything that I have learned throughout this journey, especially my spiritual journey, everything is going to be a lesson, blessing, or skill you're going to pick up for your advancement. A lesson, blessing, or? Skill. Skill. Ooh. Okay, so let's go back to give you an example of a skill. So I'm a former uh, cop, did that for 12 years. I was a sergeant. I was SWAT for five years. Blah, 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 blah. Wait, no, we can't oh. blah, blah, blah that for a second. Because <laughs> I was like, trying to get to that. <laughs> like, okay. Mickey is strong and compact. And she be body slamming dudes. We can't just skip over that. We, okay. I'll have more questions about that later. Okay. But I'm just letting you know. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I am an MMA fighter, all that good stuff. But this is where I mean by you pick up a skill. Hmm. So I'm obviously, uh, like I've said before in other podcasts, I am a rape victim. I am a molestation victim. Uh, at the age of five, unfortunately, my mom wasn't the fittest um, crack addict. Left me in a crack house for two days. I was repeatedly raped at the age of five. So that's where it started. Mm. Um, and also my mom was full-blown HIV positive when she had me and I never contracted the virus, anything like that. So that's how my story starts. So I'm so a big- So you're going from the egg. Yes, real, real life. So fast forward, my uncle was my MMA teacher as well as my molester, my SA person, all of that, my whole entire life. If he didn't teach me my MMA skills, I would have never survived the next 12 years in a maximum security California gang prison with level five cartel members. And I was also SWAT. Um, I did that for five years. I've been anywhere from set up by dirty cops where they tried to slice my throat. I ended up with 17 stitches instead. Um, I was jumped by 12 Hispanic men. Um, you name it, it's happened to me in that prison. But once I got out and once I started not realizing I was applying everything I learned in the prisons and people reading to everyday life, I started to read people better. So I didn't have any discernment prior to when I was Sergeant Freeman, I can look at an inmate and read him before he even opened his mouth. I can tell you his traumas. I can read his tattoos. I could just really read a person, but I turned it off when I would leave from work. So in my personal life, I'm surrounded by nothing but narcissists and energy vampires, but I have no clue. Why? Because my person was looking for that love, looking for that father that was proud of me, mm -hmm. looking for that mom that's supposed to love me and say, I'm proud of you. So I'm looking for it in the wrong people, obviously. And what I didn't realize what I was doing was I didn't learn the term narcissist until the last probably eight months. When I tell you I am writing a book 
on narcissism. Now, that is what prompted this whole storm of everything that's coming out now. Um, so, you know, my ex was my bodybuilding coach, whom, which you met him. Yeah. He was my bodybuilding coach as well as my fiance. Fast forward, come to find out it was a lot of adultery, a lot of, you know, just having sex with a whole bunch of other people, hiding it from me, just all types of stuff. And it was actually right in my face, actually. I will sit at dinner tables with all these women he was having sex with. So it was just one of those things where it finally opened my eyes. So when you met me, I was going through mental abuse. I went through physical abuse. Um, so my voice, if you hear it is up and down, he permanently damaged my voice box. So I used to be able to sing, but I can't sing anymore because it's almost a year later and here it is. And I realized that was the devil trying to take my voice away. So as I'm going through that, then I outed my uncle to the world. Then my aunt decides to tell me because I called her on a narcissist behavior of something that she said to me, you're going to be just like your crackhead mom. This is three days before Thanksgiving. And she says, you're so negative. And I said, if I'm negative, I learned it from you. And she goes, you know what? I wish you never got stuck with us. And I said, wow, how evil can you be to say that yeah. to your child? You raised me. And she said, you are no longer a part of my life because I had been silent almost 20 years about speaking about my uncle. I spoke up the first time when I was 16, 17. And then I got into this mind frame of, if I want a family, I need to shut up. So what did I do? Shut up. I became Mickey and stayed Mickey. But when I would come back to Arizona, which I'm originally from Washington, DC, when I come back to Arizona, I was a woman again. I was Sergeant Freeman again. I was Marlena again. But when I went back home, I was always Mickey. So she would poke and pry at me and say little things. And none of the family knew why I just upped and moved to Arizona. So basically those lessons, blessings, and skills is what forced me into my greatness, whether I realized it or not, I had to change my mindset. I just did a video um, yesterday about the victim mentality. My best friend, which you know her, shout out Sophia and my other girl, Fatima. <laughs> um, Sophie said to me one day, you played a victim. And I said, there was another person around and I looked and I said, I understood what she meant. Now the old me, the egotistical me, Sergeant Freeman would have looked at her like, what do you mean? That's offensive. That I would have called offense. But instead, my higher self took over and said, you do play the victim. You play the victim as if you're still going through these situations. When you meet people, they meet your trauma first. They don't even meet you as a person. Those circumstances that you've gone through elevated you. It didn't hinder you. You know why it didn't hinder you? Because look where you're standing right now. And that's when people don't realize they're living more in the past or the future, and they're never living in the present. And when you don't live in the present, you don't give yourself enough credit for what you've gone through and made it out of. You know, to your point, going, because I'm a sexual abuse survivor as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times when you're, when you tell people, I'm good now, like I had to forgive my abuser in order for me to move on. People who didn't go through it, they're like, how could, like, mm -hmm. how, or, or even people who 
whose like child got murdered by someone and in the courtroom they're like i have to get forgive you Mm -hmm. so that i don't carry this energy and people don't understand that that actually brings you you know that peace so anyway so i'm saying that because you know people are like listening to this and they're probably like you know how is she able to like have this message without crying or have this message without and it's just like you're able to you have to do what you need to do to protect yourself yes. and not play the victim. Because the longer you play the victim, the more, like you said, you get stuck. You own your experiences and that's what holds you back. So I'm really big, big spiritual spirits. Talk to me. I feel them, you know, empath, all that good stuff. I have visions, everything. And the thing is what people don't understand about the energy points of the body, the seven chakras. So you got your root, you got your sacral, you have your solar plex. Those are the more sexual survival ones. Those are the more masculine chakras. Then from here up, it's going to be your more feminine. So it's going to be your communication, your heart, your third eye, and the know, knowing who you are. To be awakened is to understand who you are as a person, not necessarily this meat vessel, if that Mm. makes sense. And people don't understand that when you hold on to that trauma and you make your heart an icebox, it tethers you to this earth and you keep repeating the same exact cycle. So every man in my life, except except for my ex-fiance, he was Nigerian. He was actually awakened, but I wasn't ready for him yet. The things he would say to me, I totally understand now. And what I didn't realize, every man and every person that was in my life, including today, as of the last 24 hours, was some type of narcissist and or displayed narcissistic tendencies. And because we want people to love us for us, so we become people pleasers. So what do we do? We dim our light. We be quiet. We just want love. Okay, if I just obey and be obedient and just be quiet, they're going to love me more. But what they're doing is they're throwing jabs at you left and right. And the more and more they shrink you, the more depressed you come, the more your vibration goes down. That's when that depression and the demons start talking to you. Mm. They talk, I've been suicidal. I've had a gun to my head before because I was hearing the voices. And what I didn't realize is my vibration was so low that I can hear these demons versus hear my angels. I had to elevate. I always tell people, I always tell people, stop pouring from a half empty cup. You're not meant to pour from that cup. That cup needs to be full, and then once it's full, give the overflow. You can't help nobody if your battery is on low. I say it all the time. People like you and I are constantly, how many times have a person just come up to you and just shared their life story? <laughs> and you looking at them like, I'm really in the middle of a workout. Like, I can't help you You're right like, now. Yo, like, I need to cut this off. Oh. because Right. <laughs> and I've had people just straight unload on me. And I'll take it. And what I didn't realize is we're alchemists. We are transmuters of energy, especially being light beings. So what ends up happening is these people dump on you and they walk away feeling good because you done gave them some beautiful words of encouragement and affirmation and they head up high now, chest, you know, they're good. Meanwhile, you're sitting there like, I'm drained, I'm tired. But what we don't do is release. And so, right. So we don't literally know what's our feelings, our true feelings versus somebody else's. This is why when I go into big crowds and stuff, I'm like, I got my crystals on. I'm ready. Cause I'm like, Ooh, this is about to be some chaotic I energy. This. Yeah. I got to protect <laughs> me because what I don't want to do is feel everybody's depression. Everyone's looking 
for some type of love, some type of acceptance, no matter what the status, no matter how much money you have, no matter what material things you have at the end of the day, if you don't fill that void with love, self-love, which is the best love of all, when you start loving yourself, you're loving God. We're all a part of God. We're all a part of creation, especially his angels. So what ends up happening, you become depressed. You become suicidal because now you have no clue what's happened. But this is where the awakening is coming. This is where I understand that who I am, when somebody punches me verbally, I got to take that energy. Just like in Black Panther, his suit, his suit was built to take hits. And then it was time for him to distribute his hit. It was bigger than any of those exactly, hits. Yeah. That's what an angel is. That's what one of God's people is. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So again, we're transmuters of energy. So as much as you've taken in your life, look where you're standing and you still showing love. You still letting these people know like, yeah, you hurt me. The devil may have won that time, but he ain't win the war because I'm still standing. Knowing that your struggles can create a new skill. Mm-hmm. Because it's also <clears throat> a way of not throwing away what happened to you mm-hmm. but utilizing it like it's less than like oh it's like a superpower but it's like a skill like you mm-hmm. learn a skill you like for me it was like a skill of survival it was a skill mm-hmm. of communication even though i had to work through it i do want to ask a little more about your law enforcement days oh go ahead <laughs> because you know being in a maximum security prison you're a female Mm-hmm. And you were with the men. You had to train to get there. Yes. You're there. You obviously are experienced all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, just, I just want you to dive into that a little okay. bit. Cause I just think that <laughs> it's very it interesting. Will help. I, it, I, it's interesting as hell. Cause like most of us don't even know what it's like to visit someone in a prison, let alone yeah. be in prison, and then let alone being the person that is an officer in the prison, knowing yes. that you're walking in there every day and you're like, and when you, you roll into know. the carnival, yeah. anything, is gonna, anything can happen. I also believe that it will, like people hear you talk and they're like, well, how is she still standing? How is she finding these powerful moments? But I just think that's a really good way to be like, listen where I was, like, this is my career. So my, okay, let me tell you what my motivation was to keep going, which was, it was superficial at first. When I moved out of the house that my, you know, abuser was in at 26. I came here to Arizona. That was 2010. I came here January 23rd anniversary of my actual biological mother's death. I started in the prison system February 1st of 2010. I knew growing up what I was going to be. Two things, a bodybuilder and some type of law enforcement, (laughs) but I didn't know I was going to be in the prison system. (laughs) Okay. Let's start out with that. So they were building a brand new prison for the California overflow because the prisons were so full in Cali, they needed other places to go. So of course, Cali being as close, they would just ship them to Arizona in this private prison back up in the woods. No one would know anything about it basically. So I get there and I'm honestly telling you the first six, seven months I had chronic diarrhea. I was scared out my mind walking through these gates I came from 
being a jeweler. I was a jeweler for six years. So I worked for Tiffany's. I worked for K Jewelers and another one. I became a certified gemologist and a diamondologist. So I'm like really vast in jury and stuff like that. <laughs> so I go and I was a bartender and a hairdresser. So now I'm going into this gritty like environment where it's dog eat dog and maximum security. My first day out of the academy onto the floor, I saw a decapitated head. That's my first week. What? That is my first gang rivalry. Um, Southerners against the Northerners. And it's literally Southern California versus Northern California. Hispanics. Wow. It's on site with them. And that was the day I looked up and I said, what did I get myself into? But back to the original point of me staying, my aunt said to me, you'll be back. You'll need me before I ever need you. Mm. And one thing about me, that stuff like that drives me. The challenge. Don't challenge Ooh, me. Ooh, child, that <laughs> drives me. And I remember looking at her and said, okay. And I thought about it and I said, this is goodbye. But I didn't realize I needed to say goodbye altogether because I have recently just cut off that extended family completely. And then on top of that, I refuse to go back. So I'm making good money, but I'm by myself. No kids, no man, nothing out here, but just me, honestly. And I literally, it's a story in the Bible about God sending somebody out into the wilderness and he was scared. And when he come back later, he becomes a king and this, that, and other. Arizona was my wilderness. I used to hate Arizona because the racism I went through, especially being a black woman here. So, and then being inside the prison systems, I wasn't a part of any cliques. I was just me. And after a while, I just, when I say my crazy came out, (laughs) I had enough of these inmates because they didn't understand please and thank you. They understood the vulgar language because that's what they grew up around. So someone showing them respect, they don't understand what that is. But as soon as I got gutter and hood, my Southeast DC via Queens, New York came out on them. They were like, oh, she's crazy. At one point I was standing on top of a table trying to fight this one inmate. You were like, yeah, I had lost it. I was done. But then I also noticed after I lost it, I got respect. And then next thing I know, I'm making a name for myself. Like Sergeant Freeman was nothing to mess with. And I was a woman. I was one of the few women that can walk the yard and no one worry about me. But the other girls, yeah, they got male officers walking with them. And I'm sitting there chatting with the inmates. And then I got interested in knowing their backstories. Once I started seeing them as people that made mistakes, some of them, some of them deserve to be in there. Don't get it twisted. But I am attracted to the dark, not evil, but to the dark. And many people wouldn't take the time to sit down and talk to a murderer. You see what I'm saying? Someone who, that, that's what they do. And the ones that would talk to me, I would actually sit and converse with them because I want to hear. I want to understand what's going on up there. What is your logic? What is your reasoning? What did you feel when you took a life? Like, I wanted to know I was that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Inquisitive. I would think that a lot of people who have done that or gone through that, they probably didn't really have many people that wanted to sit and listen to them. Without judgment. You know, like, think mm-hmm. about it. They probably grew up in a place where they were just a kid or mm-hmm. they were, you know, latchkey kid or like, mm-hmm. you know. Or their parents were gang members yeah. and they're so born they're like, into oh, it. Yes. Wow, somebody actually wants to actually understand who I am. Yes. You know. And I would, every day they see me, they say, morning, Sergeant Freeman. I'm like, did you make good decisions today? Like, I've started to become a light. But the problem was then I've started to become labeled as an inmate lover. So I couldn't do the work that I'm doing now in that prison without looking like a compromised, dirty female cop, which a lot of them were. Unfortunately, you're walking into a spiritual warfare. You got to think every demonic presence is inside a prison. It's a city. It's what, Sodom and Gomorrah, whatever you want to call it. So if you're not mentally sound here and here and here, and know who you are as a person, it eats you alive. I.e., this is where the dirty cops and temptation comes from. The women, the officer women sleeping with the inmates and sleeping with the staff. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that I don't really get. Like, you're going in there to enforce the law, to, like, keep calm and peace and afflow. And all of a sudden, like... You're sleeping with, like, and how do you even sleep with them? Like, how is there even time? How do oh, you... it's time. They how? make time. How? Because you got to think, I was in a prison of 3,500 inmates to over 300 staff. So it's like 10 people to a person. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So, every yeah, there's cameras, but there's a lot of blind spots. And because there's dirty cops and there's cops that don't want to really do their job, they're just there to get a check and this, that, and other. Trust me, broom closets. Staff bathrooms, sergeants' offices, it the sales, especially at night. They go check on an inmate, call themselves doing a sales search, and in there, they in there. Quiet, though. <laughs> yeah, giving up the business. Like, you see what I'm saying? It happens. It happens with the males. It happens with the females. It is a big temptation. And then, like I was saying on another podcast, like, it was good money, but if you don't mismanage money, you don't think that's a lot of money. So now introduce, hey, if you bring in a cell phone, I'll give you a thousand dollars. And at the time when I was in the prison system, it was going for a thousand dollars. So, like I was telling you, imagine five to six, seven cell phones a week that oh, you people were making money. Yes. But where did you yes. get a thousand dollars from the outside? From the outside. Oh, it's a whole system. Inmates make more money in prison with prostitution, with drugs. I mean, I'm trying to tell you, gambling, all of that. They make more money in prison than they do out because it's a, it's a constant flow. Staff, all of it. And I'm saying it's not just, it's not just like just the officers. You got the captains. You got the lieutenants. You got, you got the admin staff. You got the nurses. The nurses are known for falling in love with the inmates. Known for it. So I got to a point where I said, I can't look over my shoulder against staff and inmates. I can't do it. And then 
my awakening started in 2018 where I started seeing the number sequences and the 333 and the 444. And we had a bad riot where I was the, it made CNN. I was the one officer that went out because I had um cracked ribs and um, eye socket was messed up. It was a lot that happened. And it was one of those things where when I came back and I looked at the videos, there were six black inmates, three three elder, three younger. And in prison culture, you always have a battle buddy. So if you the only one sitting there eating and you black, I better sit my little black tail down and wait for you. Just if that makes because sense. Of the game right, stuff. exactly. A whole ride kicked off with the Hispanics. And next thing I know, it was the whole entire prison, the the, the whites, the Hispanics, the others, the this, the that were all against the blacks. And they beat these six black inmates so bad that I think one ended up passing away. And I was one of the few people that was willing to run in and pull these men out of the chow hall. I'm covered in their blood, but I was like, I can't leave these people behind. So when I looked at the video and I see all these inmates jumping on these six black inmates, I asked one of the white supremacists that was, he was gay but he only came out to me. When he was around me, he was his authentic self. But when the yeah. brothers come around, he was he was back to being him. Right. The, 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 the face heart, they got to put the on, heart. right. Yeah. And I asked him one day, I said, why did everybody jump on these six black inmates? And he said, I don't know. It's just prison politics. It's always us against them. And that broke my heart because I said, wow, we can't catch a break in America. Like even down to y'all have the same crimes, it's still everyone against blacks. Why? And it broke my heart. And then I started looking at how am I in this prison system? How am I? I just started questioning. The next thing I know, I started reading. Mm-hmm. I started looking at stocks. I started seeing who was in bed with who, who was this, who was that. Documentary came out, the 13th Amendment on Netflix. It talked about the very same company I worked for, it had a whole 30 minute segment on it about how they're in bed with this and that and this and that. And I was like, I have you ever seen Django? Uh, that came out a long time ago. Okay, but you remember the yeah, Samuel yeah. L. Jackson yes, character? Yes, yes. That's what I was feeling very much like. Mm. And I said, I can't do this. I'd rather struggle with three different jobs and protect my mental health than make these six figures and worry about if I'm going to go home every night. Right. Because again, remember, I got set up by dirty cops too. After I realized that I was fighting the staff as well, and there's no guarantee that I'm going to go home every day because I might get set up again for doing my job too well. I stood on integrity. That's one thing about me. If I do something wrong, I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to come tell you, and I'm going to apologize for it, and I'm going to make it right. I've always been that type of person. So that was going against my morals and who I was finally starting to elevate into. But what people don't understand, I became very suicidal after that. Because when you're the going, was, the trauma was coming times 10 towards me. Um, money was tight. Like I'm working four jobs. I'm working at EOS. I'm working, uh, driving for Amazon. I'm bouncing at a nightclub. I'm just going to if town. I, if I counted up all the jobs you said you had when you were here, I'm like, yo, you like oh. the true definition of a hustler. Oh yeah, I'm a hustle. <laughs> I'm going to hustle because at the end of the day, I only can rely on me. Right. I can only pick myself up. Like I can reach out for help, but at the end of the day, 
self-love is what's going to get me through the rest. And that's what's been happening. So all the people that I've been walking away, cutting out of my life because I've realized they were energy vampires and they say they loved me, but at the end of the day, it was just a mask to get me to be obedient. I realized like, no, just because you have a title of mom, dad, aunt, uncle, sister, brother, doesn't matter. I got to look at the person now because people don't read the description of these titles. They don't know these titles mean unconditional love. Mm. This means understanding. This means patience. This means not ridiculing, not judging, being an open book for your child or whomever to come to and be able to talk to you. They don't understand that because there are people that are still trying to figure out their life too. So they did it the best way they could. But what they don't understand is it was generational trauma. They were just passing down. Well, it's funny. I saw this uh, TikTok a while ago. The woman was like, my uncle molested me mm -hmm. and my fam all my entire family brushed it under the rug. Yep. And then someone came in to the stitch and was like, it was my uncle. No, oh, no it father. was my dad. It was, it was my, my dad. father. Was like, I saw the dad. same one yeah. and she was hot. She was pissed. And she was like, this is what he looks like. <laughs> yes. I told the cops, like he ran, we're going to find him. Like to stop. To nip yeah. that shit in the bud because that is what happens. It's literally, and listen. people don't understand. So then they, I think <sighs> the thing is like, people will listen to you be like, wow, that's like crazy. That's a lot. And they, you know, can pass over it because they don't mm -hmm. have the experience. But I'm like, yo, being the person that says this person did this to me mm -hmm. and everybody else is like, well, it's it's more important to protect our family. We're going to protect this person. It's like, what? Or what goes on in this house stays in this house. How yeah, many yeah. times has so that it's been told? Like this yeah. thing is like, okay, so my suffering that I'm going to have to suffer from without getting support and this stuff is going to last for the rest of my life. Right, right. It's not as important as like protecting this person who is going to do it again. So you're <sighs> enabling this person to go sexually abuse however many people they want to. Yes. So my cousin, her and I had, we worked this close when we were younger. And then I talked to her and I come to find out half the family didn't even know what happened. It was swept under the rug. And I was just labeled as the bad kid that I had to go live with another aunt who proceeds to now starve me and beat me on a regular just to punish me. And I realized here I am at, I'm about to be 40 in, in August. And I realized by me being quiet, there's a whole generation of kids in our family now that have no clue there's a predator right there. Right in the midst. In the shadows, they secretly don't take these kids to so-and-so house. Don't take so, but yet no one believed me. You see what I'm saying? And I realized I have a responsibility to speak up and say something. And no matter how much they kick and scream and say it didn't happen, I know my truth. Here it is 20 years later, and I'm still singing the same song and dance. I haven't veered from the script. Yes, Ma, it's going to say that I lied about this and I lied about that. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But the truth is, you're married to a pedophile. And the crazy thing <laughs> is, what people don't understand, I'm just going to like, it's... Mm -hmm. Not uncommon for a person to go directly to their first guardian, the mm -hmm. one that is most important to them, mm -hmm. and that person say, you're lying. I've experienced it firsthand. So you know that feeling, and that's such yeah. a well, horrible feeling. I experienced it secondhand feeling. because I know somebody yeah. who did it, and I'm just like, what do you mean? 
Yeah. You're telling this person that they're lying. Like, what do you mean? Like, why? You know what, what was you... said to me? How did it feel? I heard a conversation when we were children. Our bathroom was adjacent to their master bed suite bathroom. And I heard her on the phone with him say, how do you think that makes me feel? She's a ripe fruit and I'm an old prune. And I remember thinking like, you think I want this? And to this day, her rebuttal is, I'm trying to break them up. I'm jealous that she got a man that loves well, that's, her. But that is the typical yes. response. The yeah. typical response yes. is, if it's a girl being sexually mm-hmm. abused by a woman's spouse. Mm-hmm. She was fast. It become, and mm-hmm. I know, I'm telling you, I experienced this. Not obviously with me, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I know this. Like, the woman becomes jealous of the person that is the person getting abused. And it's mm-hmm. Crazy. crazy it is the craziest thing your desire and innate ability to want to protect goes out the mm-hmm. window because of like jealousy or whatever it is what I don't know happens what is. is no i'm gonna tell you what it is new supply see narcissists are always looking for new supply new people that they can sink their tentacles in and draw from them. So what happens with the old supply that's 10 toes down and do anything for that person? The chronic cheating right in their face. And guess what they do? They're just going to take it. And then they become a narcissist enabler. I was taught how to become a narcissist enabler. I literally have a sign on my forehead that says narcissist enabler. Even down to my life coaching clients, I've become, I didn't realize that I was surrounded by narcissists in my own work because they masked it so well until recently that I was under a serious demonic attack and I was compared to someone's mom who was an addict. And I remember thinking like, Oh my goodness. Oh my God. And they, they were going in at me, going in at me. And now listen, the old me throws hands. (laughs) I will knock you out. The new me is a lot more patient. So as they're hitting every trigger that I have, I'm sitting there eating, I'm sitting there eating. I'm like, calm, stay calm. I feel my heart pounding. I say, you got this. You've been through worse. Just take it. Let them vent, let them vent. And as soon as they saw the other triggers wasn't working. They went to the very trigger they knew that was going to make me jump. And they said, you're just like my mom. And I'm not going to sit here and lie. One thing about me, I'm going to always tell you what I've done. I took that plate and I threw that plate across the room so hard. The glass, the trajectory of the glass came. Next thing I know, I got cut up, this, that, and the other. And I was in their face. And I said, what you never going to do in this lifetime or the next is compare me to someone that abandoned you. I've been standing here 10 toes down. Then my higher self took over and said, stop, back up. Mm-hmm. I looked around. I said, oh, I lost my temper. I'm better than this. I'm better than this. So I start sweeping. And then they still go in and look at you. You look stupid. Now you ain't got no food to eat. Now you call me childish and you're breaking plates in the house. Huh, you so high and mighty. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I'm sitting there crying, just sweeping, just silently sweeping. Because you're trying to maintain your own composure. Composure, exactly. And then finally, I turned to them and I just said, this is where my mentorship ends with you. Anything that I say from here on, you're taking it as a threat and you're taking it as an act of war. 
when all I want you to do is love yourself. I said, I can't take you from here. You have to take yourself. I love you. And all I wanted you to do was to succeed and shine. I said, but I've become the problem versus the help to become part of the solution. I said, and this is where the mentorship ends. I said, I love you, but I'm gonna let you go with love. And that was the hardest thing to say, but I knew, I knew source was speaking through my heart and I got up off my knees because I was on my knees saying this to them. And I got up and I started, you know, just trying to get myself together. And then I went and laid on the floor. So for the next 30 minutes, I proceed to cry because you got to, you got to vent. Mm-hmm. You got to let the stuff out. I let it out. I called my best. I got out of the house. I called my best friend and she said, no, you won. Cause I said, the devil won today. She goes, no, no, no. <laughs> Be happy. You threw a plate versus a punch. You don't understand. If you would have threw a punch, this person X, Y, and Z, next thing you know, you would have been in prison. So instead of doing a beautiful podcast with someone you look up to, you'll be on a jail cell phone calling me to bail you out. Right. And then that becomes the conversation. Yeah. And now I'm the bad person. Look, it was never me. It was always her. I said, wow, I did win. I did let love take over. And they said to me, Sophie said to me, you had every ammunition to fire back because this was your life coach client, but you chose not to. You could have tore them apart, but you chose not to. She goes, no, she, she called me the B word, but she was like, no B you won. Yeah, yeah. She says, so go put on your blonde wig <laughs> <laughs> Come through, and you go strut basically. So understand it's an everyday battle. It's not something that's just going to come overnight. It's a constant thing of working on yourself. Well, that's what I love most. I think that, you know, a lot of people like the pull it together or like they have it together. Mm-hmm. We live in a world of social media and we live in a world of, yeah. you know, quick videos and everything's mm-hmm. great. And you see people who are just like the perfection of people. Yes. But there's still the struggle. You know, that's yeah. why I really talk about the fact that I go to therapy and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is like, you know, it's just an, an insane journey yeah. of transformation and there's struggle. So we're all going through struggles. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot of people here are in fitness and they are going through things like this and they are, have these hurdles in a way 
And so I just kind of want to jump into your bodybuilding journey okay. for a second because you're going through this and like, how does, you know, this fitness help food and, you know, cause I like saw that transformation mm -hmm. while you were going through all kinds of crazy shit, if you will, <laughs> how are you managing that? How is, how are you able to manage that transformation? Like to stay fit? Like, how does it help? You oh, know? Well, one, I'll tell anybody that's trying to get into bodybuilding or just fitness anyway, don't do it for motivation. Do it for discipline because motivation goes out the door real fast. There's <laughs> days that you're laying in a bed and you don't want to get out that bed, but how disciplined are you? Are you disciplined enough to get up like me at three 30 every morning, have my shake, have my supplements, oatmeal, my oatmeal, drink my water, have my coffee out the door. Bodybuilding. If you do it right, teaches you a disciplined lifestyle and there's success in discipline and a routine. And if you constantly do it, you'll eventually reach that goal. And for me, bodybuilding was my way of working through what I was going through in the depression and the prisons and stuff like that. But once I didn't have that motivation, that anger no more, I lost interest in bodybuilding. And then months went by and I said, no, go back to working out. I started working out again. I started competing in 2016. Off and on, off and on, not taking it as serious. Now I'm on my fifth coach. So like I told you- well, we my have the form. same coach. Yes, we do have <laughs> the same coach. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I'll be starting very soon. It was one of those things where I learned a whole bunch of lessons in bodybuilding. Just because they have a beautiful body doesn't necessarily mean they're a good person. Mm. That's one. I learned a lot of these people are superficial. So these people that you look up to, some of them that you look up to, Pay attention to what they're saying, they're doing, even their content. Yes, I'm always naked on my Instagram. I look better naked than I do in clothes. <laughs> I earn this well, body. Know, you know, I love, <laughs> I love showing right. the skin. Trust exactly. and believe. Exactly. <laughs> I, but, and I'm proud Sheet. of it. No, <laughs> Listen, and that's why I don't mind doing photo shoots, showing my oh, body I and stuff it. like I that. Love that's me authentically being me. Like, and that's, that's what's going to make yeah. a lot of people uncomfortable. Because trust me, I've had people say little comments like, I said something about being naked one day, going on vacation, I'm going to be naked. And a person made a comment to me, when is that different from any other day? And I said, whoa. There's always some type of truth behind a joke. Yeah. There's truth in sarcasm. Yes. For sure. And I saw through the person and it made me relook at them like, dang, I really actually had you up here. And now you're my coworker. Yeah, I got to side eye you. Well, but it's also admiration. Yes. It's this sound going around like the person who like hates on you the most is also the person that something like looks up wants to, to you like you want to be like you right weird. exactly yeah, I, I trust me i have people saying little side comments to me all the time and i just i just store it and then i compartmentalize mm. i put this person okay i'll put you over here let's get into the food yeah. thing this is more a selfish question no go ahead so like when it gets to the cut phase mm -hmm. and you on this food like mm -hmm. how do you manage that shit because sleep sleep I, a lot i sleep a lot like when i get to that point where i'm like i'm so I'm so hungry. I've realized <laughs> to give myself grace sometimes because going cold turkey like that, and if you're not, again, disciplined enough for it, it's one of those things where you'll crash, and next thing you know, you'll gain a whole bunch of weight. This is why I say don't do diets. It's a lifestyle change. It's not a diet yeah. um, because people deprive themselves. 
you have to have balance. Period, point blank. Yes, bodybuilder, this, that, and other. But at the end of the day, sometimes when I want those gummy bears, well, guess what the hell I'm going to do? I'm going to eat a handful of these gummy bears and be like, I'll be all right. <laughs> and just going about my business. I'll be all right. But I've stuck, I stick to the food. I still stick to the exact same meals. And sometimes there's going to be days where you don't want that food. And you just going, I drink a protein shake and go to bed. Yeah. So I made sure I'm in the bed by 8 o'clock. No later than 8 o'clock because I'm up every day at 3, 3.30. Yeah. But 8 o'clock. I'm in the bed and then just sleep through the night and water, nothing but water or cucumbers, stuff like that. I'll try to find little things that's not going to put any weight on me, but I also have to realize just because you ate a handful of gummy bears, that's not going to hurt you this yeah. one time. Now it's amazing like to eat and to look yeah. good and whatever. You feel good too. But I have to look at that cut phase as competition. I used to be excited. Like, oh, I'm going to be ripped and I'm going to have a six pack. And it was, mm -hmm. it was more aesthetics and like mm -hmm. it defined me as a fitness person, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell Kristen, because we talk body dysmorphia all the time. time She's like, yeah. listen, I'm going to stay on you so that you know how good you look yes. now. So yes. that when you start cutting, you're not going to get, she's like, it's going to be insane to see yourself that ripped. ripped she's up. like, you're going to be like, because mm. it looks good and it feels yes. good. She was like, it's not sustainable. She like keeps reminding me of that. And I yes. have to tell myself, I'm doing this for the art, for the, mm -hmm. for the competitiveness. Yeah. I'm not doing this for that show body. I'm not doing it for Trying the long term for, effect. Yeah. So my ex used to, when I was in this regular body, he would always call me fat and disgusting. What? Boy, I went through it. And he would one day he told me, I don't want to have sex with you. I see your stomach hanging. So that's why I kept going. I said, I got a goal. I'm not going to let this distract me. I, I heard you. Okay. But coming out of it, when I did put on my body weight, my, you know, my fat mass and all that other stuff, I realized, I said, bitch, you was in 13 magazines with this body before you became an IFBB yeah, pro. Exactly, exactly. Are you going to let somebody who ain't got a dime to their name, who's <laughs> living off a bunch of women, still psychologically mess with you? No. Go do that photo shoot. Just because you ain't got a six-pack abs, you are not the average person walking you around. six-pack abs. Uh, this is <laughs> a booty, though. <laughs> we, we talk lots about booty in our gym. We love booties. <laughs> we love good, healthy booties, yes. Um, so... Life coach, personal mm -hmm. trainer, how can people find you? Are you available? I know you're booked and busy because everybody <laughs> loves you, but how do people find you? Um, so on Instagram, I am IFBB Pro, another damn Leo. Yes, I'm a Leo, girl. TikTok, <laughs> I am Mickey the Leo. I do more of my motivational speaking and life speaking on my TikToks. Uh, I am going to start a YouTube channel and I do have a book two-part series book that will be talk, coming out talking about my life experiences with narcissism and how it came full circle to where the root started. And last question. Yes. If I asked you to define trust and believe, what would it be? Would yourself. Hmm. Know that you're not going to let yourself fall. You're going to do what's necessary to keep going. So you might be in that depressed state now, but understand you're going to eventually get up and do something about it because you don't want to sit there and stay in that energy. It's a horrible feeling and understand you're not the only one going through it. So this is why it's important. Like people, you and I to speak because they see the end product. 
you know, they see, oh, she's pretty. She ain't gone through nothing. You, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. I've gone through a lot to earn my pretty. I always didn't even think I was pretty because I always had men sticking their members in me that didn't belong there. Mm-hmm. So I ain't want to be pretty. So trust and believe that you're going to pull yourself out. I.e., trusting God is in trusting in yourself. Well, thank you. Hey, now. <laughs> Come on, Mickey. <laughs> IPV Pro, another damn hey, Leo. Hey. Yeah, reach out to her. She's super fun, all the way real. Thank you for joining and always <laughs> trust and believe in who you are. <laughs>